Beginner's call. This is your beginner's call. Will all show beginners please make their way to the studio? Tonight's performance of Overstudies is about to begin. Get your cowboy hats and boots ready for this week's episode as we step in to explore a brand new musical. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this one actually because I went in saying this could go either way for me and I was pleasantly surprised so looking forward to diving straight in. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of those shows that we weren't like instantly, oh my God, but we were willing to take a go on and I think, yeah, we, we came out and we had a lovely night. Yeah, we did. So we are, of course, talking about Bronco Billy. For those who have read the title of the episode, for those who haven't, now you know what you're in for. Yeah, completely. <laughs> this is currently playing at the Charing Cross Theatre in London. We were invited on a press ticket, so we will get that little disclaimer out of the way straight away. But as always, all of our views are entirely our own and we will be very honest as we always are. Yes, we don't mince our words. <laughs> I don't mince my words. I, I try not to. Depends what mood I'm in. <laughs> for those of you just joining in for the very first time, my name is Charlie. And mine's Becky. And we are the Overstudies. Welcome to our podcast. Yes, we love to talk about all things musical theatre, whether that be on stage, on screen, just anything a bit silly in camp, really. Yeah, for sure. And I think that definitely sums up Bronco Billy, to be fair. Silly and camp. Yes, that really does sum up the show. And why not have a bit of fun with theatre sometimes? There's too much serious theatre out there. We need more shows that are just a bit silly. This is a very unserious show. Before we get into it, though, if you want to get in touch this week and let us know your thoughts, you can do so by emailing us stage at overstudies.co.uk. You can also find us on social media. We are on Instagram and threads at Overstudies blog. We are on Blue Sky. Just search overstudies.co.uk. And if you want to find us on the World Wide Web, you can also visit our website, which is overstudies.co.uk. And there, there is also a little contact form that you can also use to get in touch with us. Yes, and we will reply eventually. We've been quite good this season. It's been like three episodes. Yeah, yeah but we've like... been, you know, <laughs> start as we mean to go on. We're trying. We're we trying. Are, we are trying our best. So on to Bronco Billy. Now, I will get the most important bit of this show out of the way straight away. Which is? It has a revolve. Yes. So five stars, end of podcast. <laughs> no more discussion needed. Regular listeners will be aware of our love and adoration for a revolve in a show. And actually, we will come to production caller later on. But all I want to say is this revolve was used fantastically. Yeah. I feel like if you've got a revolve, you have to use it well because it could be so easy to just spin people around for the fun of it. But this is using. Possibly one of my favourite ways that I've seen in a long time. For sure. So before we get there, Bronco Billy is based on the film of the same name. And it's been in production for quite a long time now, a good few decades, actually. Yeah. And I think when I saw this get announced, I was like, OK, an adaptation of a little silly Western style film. Cool. I'll maybe go see it if I can but it's not something I'm going to rush to. But that doesn't do it justice. I feel like there is so much more to this story than first meets the eye. Yeah, for sure. It's Like I say, it's a show that we weren't initially kind of fully sold on. We weren't like, oh my God, this is going to be the best thing ever. We need to go and see it. But actually, once we got there and we settled into it, we had a really good time. Yeah, we did. 
And this story is is a Western of sorts, but it's also a love story, as all good musicals are. Yes. Can't complain. It's got some treacherous villains. Yes. And it's got a hero. Yes, it does. So it ticks all the boxes that you would want. And also a star-studded cast, let's not forget. Starring in the title role of Bronco Billy, we had Taryn Callender, may recognise from Hamilton. Honestly, fantastic. We also had Victoria Hamilton Barrett as Constance Lilly, the uh, evil stepmother. Starting to get a little bit typecast there. <laughs> yeah, Victoria also played the uh, wicked stepmother in Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella, as it was known at the time, or better known today as Bad Cinderella. Yes. But we've also got people like Emily Benjamin playing Antoinette Lilly, the uh, other lead character who was recently alternate Sally Bowles in Cabaret. Who was absolutely flawless like so so good and plenty of other fantastic performers as well a really really talented cast for this show yeah if you go and look on the website there's bound to be at least one person in that cast that you have heard of and every single one of them was just so entertaining and i think for a show like this you either have the comedy or you don't, and every single person seems to have got it. For sure. This is a musical, but it is a musical comedy. And there are some fantastic both visual comedy, but also physical comedy used there as well. But we'll, we'll come back to that. Yes. So the story follows Bronco Billy and his troop of performers as they travel in their bus across America. It's quite literally a, a traveling circus, which has all the circus acts that you could imagine from magic tricks to lasso, um, like the rope thing, <laughs> to clowns. It's got everything. The clown jump scare, it's not a proper clown, but the clown jump scare was slightly unexpected, I must admit, but had a good time with it anyway. And they have a dream. And the key thing about the show is not giving up on your dream and their dream is to essentially make their performance troupe viable and be able to continue doing what they do every day while actually making money from it yeah because at the moment they just kind of get by they don't even really take a wage they just live in this bus as they travel around and whatever money they do get pays for things like fuel and food yeah so their goal after hearing a well-placed radio advert, is to go and audition to be on TV, basically. And they set off across America in their little van to get to Hollywood and audition. Yeah, and this is going to go really well, except the fact that, A, they need a new budding sidekick in their show to be Bronco Billy's assistant. And the sidekick that they've come across might have a few little secrets of her own. Yes. So alongside this plot, we have a plot running that is basically a heiress with a jealous stepmother trope, I think is the best way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, I think that really is the best way to describe it. And we won't give too many spoilers away because you should go and watch this. But we follow then how these two unlikely plot devices come together and create actually some really enjoyable theatre and, and quite a fun but also important story about following your dreams and never really giving up hope. And also just being honest to yourself 
and honest about yourself as well. There's a lot of self-discovery that goes on during this show. And I think it really does kind of have a full package from that kind of narrative point of view. It ticks every box that you could want. Yeah, we really do see the character development and the plot development here of, you know, a journey uh, without sounding a bit cliched. It is literally about a journey and we start at the start and we end at the end. And I think whilst there are some pacing issues with this show, it is it is fair to say, actually, by and large, it is very well rounded. And I think we we get that narrative done really nicely. Neither of us have seen the film that this is based on. So it we can't kind of say how much, how faithful it is to that film or what it does or doesn't use. But certainly from what we saw on stage, I think you get actually, yeah, by and large, a very nicely rounded tale. Like I'm not left in many places going, oh, I want a little bit more there. Just only really around where the pacing is a bit off. But we'll come to that. Yeah. I think overall, I enjoyed what is quite an, a large ensemble piece. Mm. I enjoyed that every character had time to feel like a well-rounded character. Yeah, Everyone had their moment to shine. Everyone had a reason for being there. And I think with something like this, you could quite easily have background characters that don't really contribute. But the narrative and the way that the narrative progresses, everyone has a purpose. And I think that kind of ties into the theme of the show and following your dreams. Like everyone is part of this big family. So everyone feels like a real person. I think that even extends just to the ensemble though. Like not even the the kind of the the secondary characters who we see in the troupe, but even the ensemble roles, there's quite a bit of multi-rolling that goes on, but everyone gets a reasonable amount of time on stage. And even the like characters they're kind of portraying, we might only see them for a little while, but there is some good rounded kind of like development have got into that and i think there is a lot of thought has been put into getting the right size of of company but at the same time making sure everyone's got something to do rather than just having you know we need x swings to cover for illness let's actually give them something to do yeah and i really like that i like that when you see the swings come on for a slight short period of time and just knowing that they are actually are there for a reason yeah it's not just like, oh, we need to put, add some more background answers into this scene. It's like, oh, no, no, that is actually carrying the plot forwards. And yeah, like like say for a show that's so big on kind of like family values and the idea of following your dreams and togetherness, that's also a very good summary of the production. Yeah, absolutely. So should we move on then to talk about some of what we didn't like so much about the show? Let's get the bad bits out of the way. Yes. Because I think that we've already touched on the pacing issues. It's not necessarily longer than other shows I have seen, but it feels longer than other shows I've seen. I feel like the first half an hour needs maybe one or two plot diversions, shall we say, reducing right down because we don't need the level of detail that we get. Yeah, I get what they're trying to do with this show in both establishing the troupe and then establishing our damsel in distress, shall we call her, Antoinette. But I think we go into far too much detail around Antoinette's background. I don't think we need as much of a focus on her family, perhaps, as we do. I was sat in the theatre for probably a good half an hour at the start of the show, a little bit bored and a little bit like, maybe I got this wrong, maybe I shouldn't 
have been quite so quick to come and see this show as I was. And I don't think it's a good hook in for people. I think it helps to start form ideas of where the show's going to go that are actually completely different to what happens. And part of that is because we went in entirely blank. We've not seen the film. We didn't pay too much attention to the details, but equally a lot of people are going to do that. You know, a lot of people will go into West End shows, particularly tourists and the likes. Although this is an off West End show, granted, but it's it's got a marketing budget. I've seen posters on the tube, so people will stumble <laughs> in and see it. You're not going to know necessarily all of what's going on. And I think if you don't hook people in that first half an hour or you set them up to think it's something that it isn't, you've got an uphill struggle for the rest of the show. And for me, it the first act is just too long. We spend too much time on these kind of secondary moments. But also the show, the front of the show doesn't necessarily reflect what happens to the rest of it. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think for the first couple of songs, the first song I was like, okay, I can probably get on board with this. The next couple of songs and just scenes in general, I was like, okay, can we speed this up a little bit now? You're losing my attention, basically. And I think for someone who isn't a fan of westerns in musical form i was a bit worried but then i think that when it does get going it's fantastic yeah completely and i think that is my biggest criticism of this show is that it's very off balance in terms of both pacing particularly in the in the front but also actually then the second act gets wrapped up very quickly it's like boom 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 and i'm like we could actually drag out not drag out but we could expand and embellish some of these bits that are happening in second act a little bit more like the second act felt very rushed of going from high point of oh my god jeopardy what are we going to do into resolution like that whereas we've got this very slow build up to it where i'm not really interested in the family i'm not interested in antoinette's step family which kind of leads me on to my other big criticism as well, is that I get what was trying to be achieved with some of Antoinette's family. And I like the comedic villains that are almost wacky racers, Dick Dastardly and Muttley element of like quite pastiche. But then in some respects, it goes a little bit too far with that. Particularly, I think the way that the stepmother gets written, it's very pantomime wicked stepmother and that just doesn't fit in with the rest of the show for me i didn't enjoy that i it felt forced and it felt out of kilter with what was going on you're not meant to like the the villain but i just didn't even find myself liking the concept of the villain i was just like i'm switched off now at this stage this is taking me out of the immersion of the space because it's just so at odds with everything else for me I agree. I think because the show is so over the top and it is over the top, like everything about it is exaggerated. I think when the way that a character is written is even more exaggerated, it becomes obvious. You need to get that over-exaggeration level across the board. And I think that it just felt, like you said earlier, off balance. Like it felt too much in a show that none of it should feel too much because it's all too much. Yeah. And I think that was just a bit of a shame because I do understand what was being, trying to be achieved. But I think that panto element of it 
as someone who hates Panto, I just found myself going, oh my God, not again. And that is a personal preference. I know some people will probably really like that, but I think that when the rest of the show is camp and silly, you don't want people halfway through going, oh my God, no, not again. Yeah, like I say, it it is a very over-the-top show, particularly in some of the tropes that it uses, in some of the physical illusions is the right kind of of, of phrase for those. And I really like those, actually. And we'll we'll come on to those in Production Corner because I I do want to do them justice. And I really like how a lot of that fits together. But when you've got, especially at the start of the show, when you're starting to feel a little bit coming out of the zone because of the pacing issues and when you've got an exaggerated character that's being exaggerated like and then these kind of effects it it's not a great first impression to hook you into the show and i just think that you can look at some of these issues and it would make a much better show as a whole i'm not saying get rid of it because i i understand what it's doing like as i say i love the the illusions and the the really bad special effects they're not really bad they're really bad but they're they're really clever kind of thing but i think then when you've got a, a character that is so exaggerated on all the others like we're not going to like the villain anyway because they're the villain we don't need to start exaggerating that i think there were some very clever ideas and i actually like the idea of having the wicked stepmother who has got her little male minions but i think even that was getting exaggerated to the point where it was like now this is just silly and not in a good way whereas we could have had an empowered female villain against the empowered female heroine yeah and i think that they could have worked really nicely to play off and as it was i was just like nah i don't i don't enjoy this i don't like this don't really care now like whenever the villain started coming on stage i was like what are we gonna have this time and that's not a great position to be in as an audience member i think the thing for me with it was that one thing i liked about this show was that it's a contemporary western score with disco fusion love the disco fusion and then the villain songs a lot of them felt to musical theatre in contrast for me. Yes. Which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. I think if there was more of a blend across the board, it would have worked, but I think they just feel very out of place in their current form because it feels like such a jarring difference to the rest of the sounds that we're getting. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean there. And I think I think that's a very fair point. It almost felt like whiplash. Like all of a sudden we have this really fun disco number and then all of a sudden we're in like panto land. Yeah. And I was like, hang on a second. What are we trying to achieve here? Do we want this disco fusion to run throughout? Or are we just going to shoehorn in another sound for the sake of it? Yeah, and I think part of that obviously is going to be this is a show that whilst it has been in production for a while, this is kind of its first big staging yeah. anywhere. And you're only going to get that feedback through Running putting the show on completely. But at the same time, no, I do completely agree. And it was very interesting that with some of the big disco fusion numbers, you could tell some of the influences from 
popular disco music and there were there were some iconic stuff and i think hitting the disco fused with western fantastic and i really enjoyed some of those numbers but then there's other ones where i was just sat there ticking off the musical theater references like there was a song that could have just been a song from dear evan hansen there was a very big reference to mushnicks and sons in some of the male family villain numbers i was like this is just little shark through and through yeah and whilst it's always nice to kind of see some of the influences they didn't quite work and i think particularly as again in the first act we get a lot of different styles in a very short space of time before we get into the core of what the show is about which is that disco western vibe and i don't think that helps either in getting you into the space and understanding what this is meant to be about let's just go in and lean into what we're very good at yeah fine maybe start off slightly more western than disco if that's what you want to use to set the scene but like when we were then getting the, the final number before the the interval and the first number after the interval fantastic absolutely fantastic i think the key thing for me is when the music in the show is good it is phenomenally good regular listeners will know that i am a huge fan of like rock musicals so for me to turn around and go actually you know western disco fusion with some actually very nice guitar pieces as well and be like yeah this has ticked every every box that i wanted it to tick that's a that's a really sign of a strong show because it can hook in people who wouldn't traditionally go for that and i think there's some of the numbers i can see standing out and becoming you know, like long-term musical numbers that stand the test of time. The second act opener, for example, was really, really good for an ensemble piece and had that fusion of voices that just is very big in contemporary theatre right now. That little overlapping moment, we all love it. And I think that that's what I want more of. I want more of that new exciting sound and more leaning into that disco fusion because I don't think I've seen anything do that in quite the same way for a long time to be honest so I'm kind of inclined to say lean more into that because it's what sets you apart from the rest of contemporary theatre yeah for sure and I think that's that's the really nice bit about it as as you say is using that contemporary sound that is very popular at the moment of overlapping voices and, and all that kind of thing but having that unique spin on it and you can you can tick off some of the musical theater tropes and i understand that that's you know that's what the what is popular at the moment so that's going to get bums on seats i understand that's going to be the influences of writers like yeah absolutely right what is going to work we are very aware here on the podcast of what makes commercial theater successful you've got to lean into that but you can still do that in a unique way. And when the show gets that right, it gets it really right. And it is very, very refreshing and very different. I think the key thing is we're getting a lot of 80s inspired sounds at the moment. So it was quite nice to have something that was a bit more 70s yeah. inspired. And that I think could go a long way if we lean more into that and make that clearer in kind of what the show is about and the promotion of the show knowing that it has that unique sound to it i think it would it have definitely got me more interested sooner i think yeah i i think that's a very fascination 
of of the show there. So moving away from things that we didn't like so much, let's move on to some of the great bits. And you can't just say the revolve. No, because I'm saving the revolve for production corner specifically because the revolve is essentially a massive part of the set. It's the main character. Yeah. The revolve is Bronco Billy. Yeah. Sorry, Bronco Billy. <laughs> but I think the bits that I did like, I am not usually a fan of slapstick comedy because I feel like it's so difficult to get right. And if you don't get it right, it just looks bad. But this show has got it right. And I think that even in previews, they have been quite honest about when they have had to cancel a show, for example, being like, this is a very complex show and the nature of rehearsals that is required, it's not safe for us to put it on if everyone isn't confident doing the show. And I think you can really tell that this is so heavily rehearsed and so complex that the level of skill there is just incredible. And the ability to make something that is so complex look so daft is amazing. It's like when you try and get a dancer who is the best dancer in the world to dance badly. It's just so nice to see it and so refreshing, I think. Yeah, I really, really love this. And I love this use of very, very simple to the audience effects and, and physical and visual cues that are very difficult to get spot on. There is a lot of special effects going into this. We've got pyrotechnic charges. We've got fire. We've got, you know, some really great stuff. There's this confetti cannon within the first 10 minutes. Like what more do you need? But then we strip that away and we have got very simple stuff of pictures falling down into the step to reveal a character. We've got knives being thrown that are just, you know, flipping in and out of people's hands. Stuff that is so basic, but as as Becky says, you have to get right and you have to really be confident in what's going on here. And I think there is a lot of success has happened with that and, and more power to the show. Yeah, I think it's even good when it goes wrong. So in the show, there's a scene where Bronco Billy is shooting plates and these plates are breakaway plates. So they're not actually real plates. They're already cracked. You can kind of see that from the audience. But when Bronco Billy shoots, they're thrown in the air, they fall apart. It's funnier when they don't fall apart. And when you get that mixture of sometimes they break, sometimes they don't, we'll just see what happens. It's obviously quite unintentional for them not to break because we want them to break. But I think that being able to improvise when it does go wrong is just as important as it going right. And I think it kind of adds to the campness of the show of knowing, oh, the plate didn't break, but it's fine because it, it, it's part of the show. But even on a on a more subtle level than that, that a lot of people won't even notice, but the way that sometimes the plates will break before the sound cue yeah. or after the sound <laughs> cue. And it's like, this is good fun. And it's something that could go so badly and could feel so amateur dramatics, yeah. for want of a better word. But actually, I think because the cast are so confident in knowing that, yeah, we're not going to get this right every time. We're just going to run with it. Set with this budget traveling circus. 
and then with a score and with costuming and with a, a vibe that is just very camp. I think you need all of those elements to make it work. Yeah. You've got to have that confidence of, yeah, it's not going to work every time. And because of that, you're going to be able to sell it to the audience so much better. And I was like, I can see exactly what's happening here. This is, this is awful, but in the best possible way. It's almost like the reverse of special effects that we've seen in other shows in the sense that I know that you like to try and work out how special effects are being done. And in a lot of shows, it's a big secret. We don't want to be told how all this is happening. Whereas Bronco Billy just does the opposite and he's like, you know what, we're just going to make it really obvious what's going on, but it works. And I love that. And I don't think the show would work if we were trying to be subtle about it. Yeah, completely. Like there's there's one bit in the, the plate breaking scene and, and that whole sequence actually of, of this happening over and over again, like on Groundhog Day, kind of appropriate. We saw it on Groundhog yeah. Day. <laughs> there's one point where you literally see the back curtains being ruffled by the strings that are running through them to make these plates break away. And it's like, yeah, I don't I don't need to have anything more than that because actually it also fits with the idea of a traveling circus. Like I wouldn't be surprised if there was genuinely that happening to make the plates break every time. And I, I just find that that's very good fun. And the show knows what it's about and it knows what's it, what it's trying to achieve. Whereas it could just be like, no, we're, we're actually going to put money in our special effects budget to do this in a way that it goes right every time. I'm like, no, I don't want that. That'd be too polished. Like this, the stranger things, this is not. Yes. One thing about Bronco Billy is it's very self-aware and that's what I am drawn to about the show and not just in the special effects, just in its positioning and the way that it draws you in. It knows exactly what it's trying to do and it knows that it is a pastiche of a genre and to do that you have to be so comfortable in the fact that it isn't polished but it is polished. Like it is so polished beyond belief, but you've got to be comfortable with it not looking like that for it to work. Like I love a pastiche. I love a parody. I think they're fantastic, but they only work if you are just kind of saying, you know what, is what it is. You've got to be 100% committed to the pastiche and that includes things not always going entirely to plan. And exactly. I'm sure I'm sure every night there are little bits that that don't quite work as they're meant to. You get the feeling that there is a cast who are so invested in the show and know the show inside out that they can just run with whatever happens. And, and I like that. And I think that that is, there's a lot to be said for something like that as well. Absolutely. So also things that I really liked was the costuming I thought was utterly on point and it gets that right balance between Western cowboy and just silly, really. It leans into that 1970s campness that we see in pretty much every B-movie that has ever existed that was filmed in the 70s where we've got big flared pants and big patterned and outrageous blouses and bright neon colours but then contrasted with denim shirts and cowboy outfits. And I love the juxtaposition of that, of how do we make this so uniquely 70s while still leaning into that Western element. And some of the costuming is just 
outstanding. There's one particular scene which I don't want to spoil who the character is because it is a big plot twist, but it is what I can only be described as what I would imagine would be in something like Xanadu, like neon green ruffled v-neck katsu merman with sequins and it's just hilariously camp and I just was like that is fantastic because you could only get away with that looking good if you are so confident that it's gonna look a bit rubbish (laughs) like in not in a bad way but like it's gonna look camp and it's gonna look outrageous and you've just got to lean into that Yeah, I completely agree. And that's a a theme kind of throughout the show where there is a lot of awful 70s costumes that are exactly what you would want from a 70s pastiche, really. Mm. So yeah, big, big shout out to costume designer Sarah McCade, who has done, also did Spongebob musical and We Mm. Will Rock You. So some very great stuff under the belt, but yeah, fantastic costume design, equally fantastic choreography. Yes. Stunning. And there were some very simple, but polished, but also quite complex routines. Charing Cross is not a big theatre. This is a small stage. Yeah. But the space is used fantastically. And there are some big cowboy line dance rodeo s numbers with a lot of people in a very small space. And they're just very, very well done. And I really enjoyed as well the fusion of 70s disco with line dancing. Yeah, I think it's a very clever use of space overall. And I think it's a testament to be able to make that stage feel full, but not overcrowded at the same time. And I think that doing that while having choreo numbers that actually like, I was like, I want to get up and join in with you. I want to be doing that dance that you're doing. And I want to be able to see that flow and growth of the family through the choreo while also it just being part of the routine. Like it was nice to see that building of relationships through that movement as well as it just being part of the circus troupe. Like it's, it was, it was great. Yeah. And this should come as no surprise really, given who the choreographer for the show was. Oh my God, plot twist. Alexandra Sarmiento, whose work we have raved about so much on this show, um, has also done things like How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, But I'm a Cheerleader. Uh, They did the movement direction for The Now and Next, which we never got to see, but was Mm. fantastic. They did the choreography for the Babies Workshop. And of course, they did the movement for 42 Balloons. What a shock. What a shock. What a shock. What a shock. But also many of those shows have also demonstrated, you know, small space, big cast, not feeling overcrowded. So I think that, you know, that's a very good niche to have. (laughs) For sure. And also another thing I loved about Bronco Billy, which I did turn to you at because I saw it coming, unnecessary tap number. Yeah. You literally looked at me and I just smiled. And literally, I think in my notes, I have written tap number somewhere just tap number nothing else that's that's it 10 out of 10 my my notes have got unnecessary tap number in it and i was like fantastic because i saw the tap shoes i was like i don't know if becky's noticed (laughs) but i kind of kept watching and then as soon as like the music started i just turned to you because i was like i know that this is going to make your brain go a little bit buzzy i just think that every musical should have an unexpected tap number and the more unexpected the better so why not no fair it's it's a hill i will die on i i (laughs) <laughs> respect it to be honest like it was the same when you saw choir of the man for the first time and you were just like 
there's there's yep. tap on a table. Yep. Sold. <laughs> so we'll move on then into production corner, if that's yeah. okay. And I think it is Charlie and Becky's production corner this week. It is because I have had the most fun watching that set than I've had in theatre in a while. I think it is so cleverly designed for the space and does both form and function. And I think that's what stands out for me is that you see sometimes shows that have these massive, massive sets that are so spectacular, but they don't actually add anything to the story. Whereas the entire set of Bronco Billy is another character. It's an extension of the cast and every single use of that set has a purpose and is so multifunctional. And I love a multifunctional set. The set design absolutely is core to making this production work. There is a lot of attention to detail has gone into this whilst also making best use of the space available. Charing Cross isn't a massive theatre, but the set feels massive. Mm. And it's all centred on the Revolve and on top of the Revolve on Bronco Billy's wagon. Yeah, but a wagon that also serves as a circus tent. It serves as a hotel room. It serves as a television set. It serves as a nightclub. It is so multi-use and seamlessly done as well. It's as simple as changing the curtain that is in the middle of the bus, but it feels so natural and it feels so right for the show. I think you could quite easily potentially have a big set that is just in the background, whereas this is almost, I don't want to say immersive because it's not an immersive show, but it feels more immersive than other sets that I've seen. Yeah, I I know exactly what you mean there. And it even comes down to things like the front of the bus, the, the bit that you drive in, the cab, that's the word I'm looking for. The cab of the bus is removable. So when we're not in the important parts, we use that same side of the revolve for things like the hotel room or for for other things like that, just by a hatch that now can open and close. And it's little attention to detail there, but it's also knowing the space that they've got. Like, there isn't loads of wing space. There isn't loads of space at the back of the theater to use. So it's both respecting and understanding the space that's there, but also using it to its fullest impact. And I think as well to have this done so seamlessly and it is some of these changes that happen of moving curtains or expanding the the kind of the interior of the bus or whatever are done so seamlessly and so smoothly that you don't notice and realize what's going on and a lot of that is down to the direction then elsewhere and and using very simple techniques of let's put the characters at the front of the stage because then we can draw the audience's focus there whilst we do a, a bigger set change at the back But when you bring all of these things and all of these elements together, that's where you get a really interesting and exciting stage production that keeps you engaged and involved. And and yeah, it's not immersive, but it is you are immersed in the action and in the setting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of my favorite details of the bus is we've already said this takes place uh, over a journey we're traveling between locations the show actually takes place in a lot of different states across america and simple things like the back of the bus has a giant map of america 
with a simple magnet sign that just changes based on where things are actually set. Simple, but so effective because we don't need to see that we're now in Arizona. We don't need to see that this used to be Texas. Like we don't need to physically see that because we just need to be told because it's not actually important where the story's taking place. But it just is a simple, nice transition to move things along. And I was like, simple, but effective. Yeah. And you know, we're a big fan of simple, but effective sets here. And and this did that that perfectly and as becky says gives you that sense of journey but also it's always nice to shout out some random western locations yeah and i'm always a fan of anything that involves truth or consequences because doctor who i was very confused i've got to admit when i saw that sign because i was like are we getting a bit meta here i mean we are getting a bit meta because of the point in the narrative we are seeing characters struggling with if they should come clean about possibly their real identities but i think that i was like oh wait a second is that a place and yeah i just thought it was a nice little touch to the overall experience yeah i i it's a very well chosen location for that part of the narrative but it is a real place and it's referenced in doctor who and you should know because it was when you were in your matt smith era it's been a while since i've watched doctor who you can tell who the whovian in the podcast is and who (laughs) pretends the other thing i do want to mention is a little bit on the lighting design because this is again very clever and there's some very great use of focus spotlights there's some great use of big disco balls five of them fantastic but also the color palettes are very what you'd expect of this kind of show in that fairly neutral and and fairly letting the action tell the story and just lighting the scene but we do get warmer tones for the goodies we get colder tones for the baddies very traditional but i like it but also when we go into like the nightclub the 70s disco we've got blue and pink what more do we need exactly trans trans flag colors lighting everything (laughs) you know so we need white pink and blue don't need anything more than that well yeah true (laughs) you you can light every show with white pink and blue this is something i will die on no but i do think that the color choices were some of my favorite parts i think that blue and pink just has such a nice hue over it but also feels very 70s yeah in a weird way because usually you associate the 70s with like greens and oranges but blue and pink seems to cause that nice hue that feels very disco that's lighting though you've got to use the lighting to bring out the greens and yellows in the costuming and if you try and light something with green and yellow it's gonna feel boring and dark (laughs) or in the case of green wicked i think all in all bronco billy was not at all what i was expecting yet also exactly what i was expecting at the same time i think it needs a little bit more work i think certainly i feel it's gearing up for a bigger west end transfer or indeed a bigger run elsewhere i think it does need to go away and have a little bit of a look at some of the pacing because this first act drags it's the hamilton problem of there's too much trying to happen and too many diversions and slim that down make it a bit more lean get rid of the 
unnecessary stuff and then expand out some of the bits that are important in the first act move the interval slightly bring it forward half an hour put a bit more into the second act because the resolution is very quick like i want more at like the tv studio i want more of the kind of hearing about people's backstories i think we could have a very very good show and definitely one to watch a hundred percent and i think it's a show for me that celebrates its special effects so much that i want i want to see more of it for that reason and one thing that i did like was that during the curtain call we actually had the entire stage team come out and do a bow which I think for something like this, the show would not be possible without them. So the fact that it's so aware of how important it's behind the scenes crew are, as well as the people on stage, I think that I have to applaud it and makes me want to root for it a bit more. Yeah, 100%. There are some very complex and and quick set changes and the fact that they are done so seamlessly is is a huge credit to both the designers for coming up with them but also the hardworking people who do this day in day out and as always on overstudies we will always celebrate those not being seen we will celebrate the people who aren't the leading ladies just as much as we do celebrate the leading ladies because there is no theater without that entire team and certainly the feeling from sitting and watching this show is that everyone involved in that show recognizes they're part of that team and and pulls their weight and that's that that's a really great thing absolutely so star ratings for me at the interval i was a bit like it could go either way at the interval i was like this is a three because of just those pacing issues but the second act redeemed itself easily and it's an easy four yeah, I think I came out saying, you know what, four, four out of five, sort out those pacing issues and you've got a really solid show. I think the main thing for me is just making sure that it doesn't fall into this trap of, oh, it's a Western. It, it's not an Oklahoma. It's not a Calamity Jane. It's It's more than that. And I want to see more of that being pushed. I have no issues with it being advertised and and leaning into the western background especially if that's going to bring people in but it can't be sold as much of a western as perhaps we went into it thinking it was and that was knowing nothing like we had the press release we read the press release and i was like oh it's a western which is kind of what made me not want to rush to it straight away and that is going to be fine for people who do love westerns but this is a show that has a much wider appeal than simply western fans because we are not western fans as far as musicals go certainly traditional Western musicals. And I I loved it. Yeah. And I genuinely, I'm very excited to see where this goes next. So Mm. yeah, catch it at the Charing Cross Theatre until April because you're going to have a great time. Take your pink Stetson. If you want to let us know your thoughts, whether you've seen Bronco Billy, whether you're going to go and see it, your thoughts on westerns whatever it is you can get in touch you can go onto our social media we are on bluesky.overstudies.co.uk you can also find us on instagram and threads we are at overstudies blog we have a website www.overstudies.co.uk click on contacts you'll find a contact form and you can also email us stage at overstudies.co.uk and we will get back to you as soon as we can we will indeed. Our question of the week, the most important thing, if you're listening on Spotify, you can answer this in app. Our question is, would you run away with the circus? Hard no. 
I'm scared of clowns. Next question. <laughs> I would run away with the circus, to be fair. I'm surprised you haven't already. Too much faff involved, to be fair. Yeah. Like, I need to sort my life out and then I can run away to the circus. You're too much of a material girl. I am. <laughs> yeah. I need another bus just for my wardrobe. Exactly. It's, I'm living in a material world. That's the problem. Can't help it. Can't help it. No. Thank you so much as always for tuning in to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. Make sure that you go and subscribe and like and share because it helps to bring more people into the Overstudies fandom. And also if you subscribe, you will be one of the first people to hear about new episodes, which is always a bonus. It literally goes, me and Becky decide the episode, we make it happen and then our subscribers find about it. Yeah, that's, that is exactly how it works. Yeah. <laughs> so like you'll be the third person to know what we're doing. And who doesn't want to be part of that elite club? Exactly. Thank you as well to the PR team for inviting us along to Bronco Billy once again. This was a press invitation. So I think that's everything from us this week. It is indeed. It is time for us to don our boots and don our hats and line dance out of here. So it's goodbye from me, Becky. And it's goodbye from me, Charlie. See you next time. Bye.